Today, my brothers and sisters, I'd like to give you a homily, because it's Mother's Day, I'd like to give you a homily about my mother, okay, is that alright? And about your mother too, though, alright, I'm going to give a homily on our mother Mary. Today is also World Day of Prayer for Vocations to the Priesthood, so it's a time where we think about the, the need that the church has for priests, and we pray that God raise up more priests. And uh, I think both of these themes, and also the Mother's Day theme, they all work together very well, I I think. Um, There's a special relationship between Mary and priests, okay? And uh, what I, how I see it is that the men and women have different gifts from God that they share with each other, that they both benefit from, okay? It's called... The church refers to this as the teaching of the complementarity of the sexes. Okay, so that men and women together fulfill and complement each other. And there is um, uh, the gifts and the benefits. There are many gifts and benefits that men have to share with women. I'm going to be speaking about that on the third Sunday of June for Father's Day. But today is Mother's Day, so I'm going to be speaking about the gifts and the benefits that women have to share uh, with men. And I believe that those gifts and those benefits parallel very well uh, the gifts and the benefits that Mary shares with priests, okay, uh, and also with the whole church. So what are some of these things that are kind of unique to, the, to, the, to women in their feminine and their maternal uh, gifts and, and, um, and blessings that God has given to them? One of them, I think, is this. In general, women have a kind of a capacity to be uh, sensitive towards people. Men are good at things, at dealing with things, interests, their energies and their interests can be focused on things. Women's energies and interests can be focused on people. Okay, so that's kind of a broad difference here. Uh, one of the ways that this pops up in my mind is I, I have, uh, when guys get together, what do they talk about? Baseball, they talk about cars, they talk about engineering, they talk about their intellectual academic types, they talk about ideas. Okay, So I have a friend of mine from back in Albany when I was a teacher out there, and I'll see him every uh, just a few times a year, but when we get together, I go out there, I visit, we'll sit down, and we won't look at each other. Okay, we'll kind of like, he'll be in one chair, I'll be in another. We'll kind of like, we're both looking out this way. And we'll talk for six hours, easy, about philosophy, philosophical problems that we're working on or theological problems that we're working on in our heads. And uh, there won't be a single mention of an individual person, unless it's a, a maybe a dead white, you know, European male from some time period who thought something, some great idea that we're talking about. But there won't be a single mention of a person. When you see women get together, oftentimes they're, they're looking right at each other. They're in each other's faces. You know, they're very engaged at the personal level. And they're talking about this person and that person. Okay? Uh, I have two cousins out in Port Byron, uh, a brother and a sister. And they're both around the same age. And they're both uh, bright people. Uh, but when I, And I'm interested in genealogy. So my connection to them is I'll go and I'll visit them. We'll talk. I'm just trying to, like, I uncover genealogy stuff. That's one of my little hobbies is genealogy. So I'll ask the brother about names, dates, places, and people, and he'll have zero knowledge. I mean, zero memory. I mean, nothing. I'll ask the sister, and she will know years, months, days, last names, first names, middle names, maiden names. It's unbelievable. (laughs) So we we see the difference there between men and women. Different gifts, different capacities. 
You know, the real, the funny thing that I get a kick out of is how many guys, and you don't have to raise your hands, but how many guys basically log their personal histories according to the cars that they own? Right? So we'll say, like, what happened? When was that? When did that happen? They'll be like, oh, when was that happening? Oh, that's when I owned my, and they'll say my 75 Chevy or whatever it is, you know? So they'll kind of, like, they'll order their life according to their cars, according to what they own. So it's things, you know? They're really good. They've got builders and engineers, and they've got that kind of capacity and talent. And women have the, have the ability to be uh, focused on persons, and personal details, and it's a, it's a really kind of special, um, special gift, a special thing. Men benefit from that. So when men enter into relationships with women, whether it be in general or whether it be in the institution of marriage, there is a kind of civilizing effect that women have on men, and men have the ability, in the influence of women, to kind of grow in sensitivity to other people at their and their individual needs at that personal level. And this is also what Mary does for priests as well. When a priest has a relationship of devotion to our Blessed Mother, that same kind of civilizing effect uh, works with priests. Think about today's um, gospel passage. Uh, Jesus is talking about the Good Shepherd. He's talking about himself, okay? Um, but the priest is meant to image forth Jesus' identity as the Good Shepherd. Okay, so priests are meant to be little Good Shepherds so to speak. And if you think about the shepherd, the shepherd is strong. He's got to be tough because he's got to defend the sheep against the wolves. Okay, and so we hear in the gospel the idea about the hand and how there's protection and security, the strong hand of the shepherd that protects the sheep against the the attack of the wolves. But that same hand that's got to be strong to protect, it's also got to be gentle when dealing with the lambs. You can't manhandle the lambs. You've got to be gentle with them. All right? And so also, Mary teaches priests to be attentive and sensitive to the individual needs of the people that the priest ministers to, the sheep of the flock, so to speak. Notice also in the Gospel how it says, The sheep know my voice, and the shepherd knows them. So there's this idea of this kind of personal knowledge and relationship. I can say, for example, in my own um, Short, few short years as a priest, I came into the priesthood not having a very good capacity to remember names. I still don't. I'm still very not very good at remembering names. Um, I mean, it used to be the case where I'd meet someone, they'd tell me their name, I could spend the whole night with them at a dinner party, I just can't remember their name. Meet them a second time, by the third time it sticks, I got their name, okay? At this point, I can remember someone's name the first time they introduced themselves to me. So I'm actually growing in that capacity as a priest. That's a pretty, that's a pretty good achievement for me, okay? So this is something, though, that is a benefit from just ministering in general, but something that you can get, that a priest gets from Mary, from having a relationship with Mary. She helps the priest uh, in her maternal capacity. She helps him uh, to be that good shepherd, that gentle and good shepherd. Uh, women in their maternal capacities have a special gift for encouraging and consoling men. Um, a man goes out in the world and he's got to prove himself to himself at least and probably to other men as well. He's got a big task ahead of him. He wants to get a, uh, a career and establish himself and be successful and have some measure of respect in life. And he works hard towards that end. In doing that, he's inevitably going to encounter failures, disappointments, hardships, 
Okay? And he can share those hardships and those failures and disappointments with other men and receive comfort and consolation. But I think there's a special capacity that wives, in a, in a maternal way, have for their husbands. The husband can go to the wife and share with her a kind of vulnerability maybe that he can't share uh, with other men. And the wife can encourage him and buoy his spirits up and say, you can do it, I believe in you, go back out there and, uh, and you're going to be successful, I believe in you. It's a special gift that women have for in relation to men. And so also the Blessed Virgin Mary in relation to priests. In the, in the priestly ministry, the priest encounters lots and lots of disappointments and failures and oftentimes can feel like he's got more uh, lack of success than success. All right? And it can be very discouraging. And uh, he goes home, so to speak, to the Blessed Mother. And Mary has an amazing, special capacity to encourage and to buoy up the heart of the priest and to give him hope and say, I believe in you, go back out there and, uh, and do it, you can do it. Also, um, you know, if you think, too, the Blessed Mother was on the earth probably for, I don't know exactly, but maybe 20 more years after Jesus ascended to heaven. And so she was there to encourage the apostles, the first priests of the church. Jesus' uh, task that he gave to them was incredible, if you think about it. Go out to the whole world, evangelize the whole world. Okay, that is no small task. I mean, that's an amazingly difficult um, job that they had to do. And they're going to encounter, inevitably, hardships and failures. We see today in our second reading... Uh, or, sorry, in our first reading from the book of Acts, St. Paul went out and did people, were people doing jump, you know, backflips over his message? Uh, some were, but you know what? He got a lot of opposition. People conspired against him. They persecuted him. They kicked him and Barnabas out. So the priest encounters inevitably lots and lots of hardships. And uh, the early apostles, they went back to Mary. They got encouragement. They got strength to go back out to do that job that Jesus had given them. Uh, and so it is to this day, so it is to this day, the priest goes to Mother Mary, and in her maternal solicitude and care and gentleness and kindness, she encourages him and sends him back out. Who was the apostle that Jesus entrusted his mother to? Does anybody know? Who was the John? Okay. So think about that, the privilege that St. John had of living with the, the Blessed Virgin Mary for, I don't know, 20 years or so. And I'm sure he, at an individual level, encountered lots of difficulties. He could go back and get encouragement uh, from, from Mary. St. John was in need of great encouragement in our second reading. This is from the Apocalypse. He's on the island of Patmos. What's happened to him? He's been exiled. The Roman government has got on his case and kicked him out and said, you're a bad guy, you're a criminal, we're sending you on this island, and you can just rock there. Okay, So he goes to that island. He might be feeling kind of down and out. The church is getting persecuted. Lots of Christians are being martyred. And yet God gives him a vision. A vision, a vision that encourages him. And it says, I, John, had a vision of a great multitude, which no one could count from every nation, race, people, and tongue. They stood before the throne and before the Lamb, wearing white robes and holding palm branches. Now, the palm branch is a symbol of victory. So what we're talking about here it are the members of the church. This is the church having to face difficulties, having to face suffering, okay, having to face hardship, and yet being given the victory. 
being given the victory, having the hope and the fortitude and the inspiration to go forward. A little bit later on in the apocalypse, it's not included in today's reading, but a little bit later on, John has a vision of the Blessed Mother. He sees a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, crowned with 12 stars. And just as Mary, when she was on earth, encouraged him, so the vision of Mary gave him inspiration and encouragement to go forward with his apostolic mission in spite of all the difficulties and the hardships. Mary is an image of the beauty of the church. So no matter how much the church is wrapped by sin and by human failure and by mistakes and by outside opposition and by all of these different problems, we can look to Mary and she is our life, our sweetness and our hope as we prayed in the beginning of Mass when we prayed the Hail Holy Queen at the end of the, the Rosary. We say to Mary, you are our life, our sweetness and our hope. She is an image of what we will become as the church. And uh, so, so also women in general can be such an inspiration to men. How many husbands really do everything that they do really for the sake of their wives because they're inspired by their wives and they want to uh, build a life for their family. And it's that hope that buoys them up and puts them forward. So also Mary functions this way for priests. She functions this way for the church. And today we're going to have a special May crowning. May is a month dedicated to our, our Blessed Mother. And so at the end of communion, we're going to have our first communion children come forward. We're going to sing a song and we're going to have them crown Mary in honor for her. So today we thank God for mothers. We thank God for the mother of Christ, the mother of the church, the mother of Christians, the mother of priests. And we pray that priests will always have the heart of the Good Shepherd that our priests will always be encouraged, and that they'll always maintain that vision of hope that Mary gives to them.